God created order for a reason. We were meant to have a chain of authority. You all are under my umbrella, and I am under the umbrella of the bishop, and so on and so on. And you know, you can trust this structure in my authority because only the righteous seek after authority and position. There has never been anyone who wanted to rule over others without a just cause and love in his heart. Amen? This is the Bible After Hours. Hey, can, can you hear me? Is this thing on? Okay, good. I am the foul-mouthed preacher, and this is the Underground Church. The word vulgar originally just meant to speak the language of the people, the common language. And that's what we're going to do today. So, as mentioned, I'm the foul-mouthed preacher. So if young children are listening, maybe check this out some other time. The church above wants to hoard power over you. It wants to make everyone submit to their ideas, their authority, and to boost their own ego by occurring more and more followers. That was never the passion of Christ. It was never God's intent. God selected a few. God selected his people, the Israelites. Jesus had his 12. And yeah, they were supposed to go out into all the world and to preach the gospel. But it was never about the followers. It was about the message. It was about the love. Not how many people can we get in seats or any of that bullshit that we talk about in churches today. That's not what God's about. It's not what his church is about. We're about love. And yeah, loving, we love people. And of course, more people who join in the cause of love is a good thing. But it's never been about the people. It's never been about the number of followers or how many people are there. It's about God and it's about love. And we want that to reach the people. But we're not just getting people by whatever message or means possible. I've been both the person seeking attention and in, le in leadership kind of stuff, and I've been the victim to others who have hoarded their power over me to silence my ideas and theology when they didn't agree with it, right? So I've been on both sides of this coin, being the one with the power and being the one who's seeking the attention, and I've been the one who's been hurt by others who are doing that. Um, and it's a vicious cycle. It's a terrible cycle. This shutting down of speech we disagree with is harmful. It's always harmful for many reasons. You know, I'm a big proponent of freedom of speech. Does that mean speech I don't agree with or racist? Yes. Does it mean speech we don't agree with or homophobes? Yes. Does it mean speech we don't agree with or people who hate God? Yes. Does it mean the church is free speech? Of course. You don't just shut down speech because you don't like it. Or else, Jesus would have never been heard. Most of our Christian followers wouldn't be heard. Martin Luther wouldn't be here. Your Protestant churches wouldn't be here. Uh, all throughout time, ignorance has prevailed when the power has shut down free speech. And knowledge and freedom and love have prevailed when free speech has been allowed. Some of the biggest advances in technology came from people that were deemed insane, but were allowed to speak anyway. Some of our greatest moral teachers came from people we all thought were saying nonsense, but it turned out they were telling us how to love one another better. We have to allow speech, whether we agree with it or not, because we can always be wrong. I'm not just saying this because I'm sensitive about it. It, it. it also leads to like cult-like behaviors. It prevents spiritual growth and it hinders the church in learning how to think for themselves and how to defend what we believe. So not only is it a problem because it prevents moral teachers from 
pushing against the status quo. Not only is it a problem because it prevents inventors from doing things we all think are impossible or stupid. You know, it's not only a problem because of that stuff, but it's also a problem because if someone hoards their authority and doesn't let anyone else to speak, that person's essentially playing God and people eventually begin to believe that that person must be specially chosen. That's how cults are formed. That's not okay. It's fucked up. It also means if only one person's the authority and they tell everybody else what you're supposed to believe, you don't learn how to develop theology or thinking for yourself. And then when you're questioned, if you don't have the exact words on the pastor to regurgitate, you don't know how to defend your faith. It's a problem for our faith. It's a problem for how we are lights in the world. How, of course, people just think religion's cults. If we're, all we're allowed to do is obey our master, that's a cult. You have to learn to think for yourself. You have to allow free speech. You have to encourage disagreement and to really have conversations between people in the church who don't always see eye to eye. Like I said, I was one of the voices that was trying to get attention, to hoard power, to make it about myself. Even if I, I never, I don't think I ever realized that's what I was doing. You know, I started off more conservative in my beliefs of the Bible. And I held everyone to this kind of crazy standard of following every single law in there. And yes, I mean every law. I learned about them as a... Why are we eating shellfish? Like, I was I was intense about it. I tried to be a Bible study leader, and I shut down ideas that disagreed with me about the freedom of God. Because I said, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says this. And I, I was kind of an asshole about it. And I shut people down. I didn't allow for disagreements. And that's why it took me so long to really progress in my own thinking. I shut down arguments people had for how Christians should or should not behave. This was wrong. Not because of my ideas... You know, some conservative ideas and conservative thinking is, is great. It's actually really helpful to look at those ideas. And sometimes they're right. And my new progressive stance might be wrong. It wasn't my ideas that was wrong. It was my attitude that needed to be fixed. I was just being a little shit, honestly. I was just being a little shit who was so focused on myself that I couldn't see anyone else's point of view. So I was unable to help others grow because I couldn't see where they were at. That's what this does. When, you're, when you become a little shit who only cares about yourself and proving yourself right and making everybody obey you and listen to you, you miss where everyone's at right now and your ability to help them where they're at. That's why pastors cannot be these kind of people. Your leaders in the church should not be these kind of people that are lording over people that are all about the authority or the attention or how many butts are in the seats. Because when they become that, they become a celebrity, they miss where everybody else is at. They miss that perspective and ability to help people grow and to truly disciple others. I was a little shit. I couldn't see anybody else because I was so sure that I was right and I had this unique perspective on the Bible that everybody had to hear that I missed those around me that needed help, that were coming to me for help and instead getting a little shit. I was so concerned with making people agree with me that I stopped caring about their well-being. And unfortunately, that's where a lot of churches and church leaders are today. There are hundreds, even thousands of pastors out there who are also still little shits. Many people have suffered from the church hurt or from church people or from these pastors because the leaders cared more about their position, about being right, and about how well the church was doing financially, how well they were doing financially, how many butts were in the seats, cared too much of these things to be able to care about the individuals. Care of individuals is what's lost in our church right now. We care about how many butts are in the seats, but we don't care about whose butt is in that seat. Sometimes the people in those seats, they don't even know the condition of their own hearts. Sometimes these leaders who are all about the, 
numbers that are all about putting on a show. They don't even know what's in their hearts. They don't realize they're all about that. They think they're about the people. They don't see that they're little shits. They forgot. They forgot what the whole fucking thing's about. It's about whose butt is in the seat. It's about the hearts attached to those butts. God knows I missed it. And I know so many people are still missing it now. It's been a constant trap that the church has hit. Not just recently. Not just with mega churches. It's been a trap since the church began. Since humans have had religion, organizations, this has been the trap. Caring too much about the numbers. Too much about who or how many people are there. How many people agree with you or don't. It's one of the reasons the Protestant Reformation had to happen. Catholic Church cared about the numbers, cared about their their money, cared about being right, and they weren't willing to listen to other interpretations. They weren't willing to care about the individuals there. They were all about the organization, all about themselves and the status that these individuals had. In because the, the whole Catholic Church wasn't fucked up. It was a, some people taking advantage of some shit that was in the Catholic Church that I thought was bad doctrine. But, you know, we can disagree about that doctrine. What we can't disagree about are the little shits that took advantage of it. And they took advantage of the people. That's why the Reformation had to happen. That's why the Council of Trent, in response to the Reformation, happened. Because the Catholic Church had to change. Yeah, it's cool we had a Protestant Reformation. We have new churches that came out of that. Yeah, but I also feel like we miss how important the councils the Catholic Church had after that was to changing the Catholic Church so that we got rid of these little shits taking advantage of the system. Because otherwise, the people in and out of the Catholic Church are lost. I don't care if you're Catholic or not. I care if you're reaching and caring about the people in your seats. Or if you don't have seats, the people you're spending time with, the people who gather in your home churches, the people gathering at your luncheons, the people who are gathered around you, are you caring about them or are you counting them? That's the difference of doing God's work and just being a little shit that's all about yourself. The Inquisition was a refusal to allow others to disagree with our religion, to keep living if they don't believe what we believe. We had to stop that. The Crusades were a grab at power over the Holy Land, over other people with different beliefs than us. These, the biggest fuck-ups of the church are all about this. The Reformation happened because priests were using their authority to take advantage of people and to steal from them. That's why the Reformation turned to Sola Scriptura, to ideas like the priesthood of all believers, that the Bible is the only source of authority. It was a reaction to an abuse of power. Salvation through faith was taught to clarify that obeying one person or a set of rules cannot save you. These beliefs were important to combat that, and yet the Protestant Church struggles with it now. Why are we obeying one person in the umbrella in this chain of leadership if Scripture is the only authority? Fuck the leadership. Why am I doing the right things to move up in the church if we're all a priesthood of believers? What the fuck is my position? If we're all a priesthood of believers, why am I trying to become a priest? Some bullshit. If salvation is through faith, why are you telling everybody what they have to do to help this church make more money? And shut the fuck up. That's why these doctrines exist. To combat the little shits that are trying to take advantage, that are gaining power, and are all about their position. Today, now, we see time and time again, cults rise up from one man taking advantage of people's faith beliefs or their roles as spiritual leaders. Power grabs, abuse of authority, evil systems, all left behind to keep people in corrupt rule in charge. Of course, systemic racism is real. Systemic every kind of prejudice is real. Unless you're the people in power, the system is against you. Do I sound like I'm doing conspiracy theories? I'm sorry if I am. I'm not trying to do a conspiracy. It's out in the open. It's blatant. It's just 
being honest about the status of where things are in the church and out of the church. If you're the one in charge, whether you mean to or not, you're going to make the system revolve around how to keep you in charge. Unless, unless you have a change of heart, unless your heart is about God, if your heart's about God, you make the system about God. If your heart's about man, the system's all going to be about man in which man is in charge. You want to know the heart of your church, the heart of the organizations you're a part of? Look at the rules. Who do they help? Who do they hurt? Who do they prevent from being in charge? And who do they keep in charge? Are the rules around loving God, loving neighbor, or are the rules around obeying, following orders? So we're back in the book of Judges. You know, we've been going through Judges, trying to look at these stories, these passages, not one chapter at a time, one verse at a time. I'm just going through, looking at some of the highlights and taking these messages of, of judges and seeing how they apply to us, the common people of the church today and the underground church, right? So after the death of Gideon, skipping ahead, we, you know, we started Gideon last time, told you something about how he was chosen. This time we're looking a little bit ahead. After he dies, the place as judge and ruler of the people of Israel fall on all 70 of his children to split evenly, a 70-way split of a kind of a small piece of land. Surprisingly, among these 70, there was just one little shit who wanted all the authority for himself. Wow, that's so surprising. We can't split it evenly. There has to be a shit in charge, right? Yeah. In comes Abimelech. We're talking about a judge, Abimelech, a little shit like me. This dude rose up and he convinced the people of the land that because of his mother, who was a slave of, to Gideon, that he was more one of the people than the other siblings. He argued that it's better to have one ruler that you do know than 70 rulers you might not know all of. The people saw less rulers as a good thing, and they did not see the evil intent of why we would want all that power. Right? And that's where oh God, that's where you get the, the evils of unitalitarianism, right? You get the evils of this idea that it's all about results. One person's in charge, everything's streamlined, we can get stuff passed easier. You know, look at the American system today. You have these presidents who are doing executive order after executive order because it's too hard to have things go through the Senate. It's too hard to have split power and to make things work in a certain way. I'm talking about that just because that's the that's the system I know. It happens all over the world. It happens in your churches, it happens in our organizations, it happens in companies. We make these arguments that it's too hard to come together, to work together, so we'll just all do it my way. We'll all just do it this one way and everybody else can fucking deal with it. It's not the way of God. It's not the way it's not the way of the righteous. It's the way of the power hungry and the evil and the little shits. That's what Abimelech convinced the people was right, was good, to give him all the power. Because it'll be easier be easier than trying to convince all 70 to do what you want. Just convince me. Give me all the power. Jotham, one of the other siblings of Gideon, he feared Abimelech. He believed that he was going to kill all of the other siblings, all their 68 of them. He told a story, then he left. Um, and the story, it, it's powerful. It, it moves me to this day when I think of our current politics, our current church status, the organizations that we deal with today. Here are the words of Jotham also known as Jotham's curse. Listen to me, you leaders of Shechem, that God may listen to you. Once the trees went to anoint a king over them, and they said to the olive tree, reign over us. But the olive tree said to them, shall I give up my fatness with which God and mankind are honored and go to wave over the trees? Then the trees said to the fig tree, olive tree wouldn't do it, so they came to the fig tree, you come reign over us. But the fig tree said to them, Shall I give up my sweetness in my vine, in my good fruit, and go wave over the trees? 
Then the trees said to the vine, Victory wouldn't do it either. Came to the vine, You come reign over us. But the vine said to them, Shall I give up my new wine, with cheers of God and mankind, and go wave over the trees? Then all the trees said to the bramble, You come reign over us. And the bramble said to the trees, If you really are anointing me as king over you, come and take refuge in my shade. But if not, may fire come out and bramble of the bramble and consume the cedars of Lebanon. After telling this story, Jotham made a statement that if the people were honest and honoring towards Gideon's legacy, then they should rejoice in the shade of Abimelech's thorn bush. <laughs> Otherwise, he said that he hoped they would release a fire that God would release a fire to consume Abimelech and that he would release a fire to consume them. Abimelech consumed and Abimelech in being consumed will consume the others. There's so much in this story. If you truly have something to honor God and honor others with, are you really going to sacrifice what you're doing to bring honor to God to rule over people? Of course not. It's a wicked desire. If you have something sweet that brings happiness to people, why would you give that up to rule over people? Like the Of course not. Even the vine, you know? He's like, hey, people like being drunk. People like to fucking party. I'm not going to give up that which God honors. The party that people deserve, that God wants for us. The sweetness of the vine. Just to rule over people. No, it's nothing but the bramble. It's that which causes pain. It's that which doesn't have that sweetness, that joy, the thing that's honoring of God and others. The thing that doesn't have that, that's what wants to rule. It's the thing that wants to hoard power over others. Such a powerful story. And Jotham said, if you're honestly trying to honor Gideon and God, I'm sorry, I might be wrong. And I love that. I love that attitude where Jotham's like, I might be wrong. And if I am, I hope you're blessed. But if you're doing what I think you are, you're just finding someone to rule. And you found the first person who would because none of the good people would. Only the evil want the power. Is that if that's what's happening, then I hope that that leader, that wicked leader, the little shit Abimelech, I hope he gets consumed by fire. And I hope when he does get consumed, he consumes all of you with him. He brings you all down with him. So after Abimelech and the people killed the other children of Gideon. Wow, what a surprise. Jotham was right. The leaders of Shechem, the people of his mother, rose up and started a civil war. So the other people of the mother of Abimelech, they start a civil war against him. And Abimelech rules for three years, but he is killed by those who put him in power. And the people who put him in power would ultimately kill him. He fell out of the hands of a woman. <laughs> it was really funny. He, got, he gets shot by an arrow from a woman because it's like dishonorable at the time or something stupid. And because he doesn't want to be killed by the hands of a woman, he makes a slave come kill him. So the people of Israel and of Shechem were left in array. They're left in chaos because they chose one leader that killed off the people that God anointed. They were left with one little shit and that little shit led them down a road of shit, surprisingly, and then they all are consumed because of it. Starting with Abimelech in his own house and then spreading to the rest of Israel until they're all just in chaos. The allegory of the trees is one of my favorites. Uh, the fig tree wanted to give his fruit away to the gods and to men so he refused power because he wanted to give. The olive tree cared more about people receiving anointing, so he wasn't going to give that up to rule. The wine cared more about the happiness this brought from, the, from wine, from drink, than he did about ruling. Those three trees are the honorable trees. They're the good trees. That's who you want as a leader. It's the thorn bush that wanted the destruction that they chose for power that accepted the power. We should be weary of those who desire power, period. If someone wants to be in charge, 
First of all, they're fucked up in the head because that's a job nobody should desire. It's hard as hell. And second off, there's something wrong with someone who just wants power. If they want God and you guys ask them and have to like push them into it or if they feel called. I mean, there, there are different reasons for someone to be in power. But if they're desiring the power, something's fucked up there. Isaiah chapter 14 tells us that Lucifer fell from heaven because he was trying to take authority from God. Lucifer, a lot of us believe Satan, the devil. We never see God trying to grab for power. He already has it. He doesn't try for it. He just has it. The desire of power and authority comes from Satan in this story. The wicked are who want the power. There are men who are just and good leaders, and I respect them, I love them, and I thank God for them. There are righteous and awesome pastors that I know that I love. There are humble and loving bishops that are great, but the ones who are the good leaders, the anointed leaders, the righteous that happen to be in places of authority right now, they're not the ones who strive for power. You're not going to look at their story and see how they clawed their way up and made themselves be in charge and lied and stole and whatever to get there. Or begged to be the one in, that's, you know, making the decisions. No. The good, the humble, the right ones, they kind of happen upon it if you pay attention. Man, the hardest part of this is knowing your own heart. How do you know if what you're desiring is power and authority? Or whether you truly feel called like Gideon and led to a position to help others? You know, are you, are you a Bimlick? Are you the little shit who just wants the power and authority, wants to tell people what to believe and everybody agree with you? Or are you Gideon, who's double-checking, triple-checking, like, God, is this really you? And reluctant to take that authority and ends up being a humble and good leader. Are you Gideon? Or are you a Bimlick? Are you humble? Or are you a little shit? How can you know the true desires of your own heart? It's harder than you think. We look at Psalm 37, verse 4. It says, if you delight in God, he will give you your desires. It's because your desires are a delight to God. Think about that for a second. If what makes you happy is God, God's going to give you what you desire because it's him. <laughs> so this is seen time and time again in scripture. You know, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek to serve others and to love God. Then if that lands you in a position of authority, that can be a good, healthy leadership position. But if you if you have a pastor because... If you, if you want to be a pastor because you're a good speaker or because you think you know how you know the Bible so much better than other people, you think you can teach others the right beliefs because they don't believe right now, that's a toxic belief. You need to check yourself, get right with God, and shut the fuck up. You don't need to be a pastor. Where's your heart? Are you just wanting to serve people and that happens to put you in a position of leadership? Or do you think you can tell people the right beliefs and that's why you want the power? One is of God. One is of Lucifer. The one who tried to steal the power from God. That's where that desire for power. Like, like, it, and I know that it's the equivalent of the Hitler argument. You're making the, the Lucifer argument. But that's literally what it is. It is of Satan to desire power. It is of God to desire to serve. What did Christ do? He didn't come and lord power over the disciples, tell them the right beliefs. He questioned them, held them, think for themselves, and he served them, washed their feet. Lucifer is the one that desired power. You want to be like Christ, or do you want to be like Satan? I know that's like, wow, I know who I want to be like. Yeah, so it's stupid as shit. I, I get it. But that's what this really comes down to. And somehow, we're not getting it in the church today. We keep appointing people who've tried their whole life to become a pastor. We keep appointing people who are good teachers and good speakers. And, and we stop teaching people, if you want power, you shouldn't have it. And that's what the Bible says. It's something we need to get back to. If you're being led by someone who talks about the authority given to them, like all the time, mentioning how, how much authority they have and how God put them in charge, 
or if the leader prevents you or others from discussing beliefs that they don't agree with, or if they're more focused on growing the church and preaching than they are focused on the individuals whose butt is in the seat rather than how many butts are in the seat, you should run. You should run from churches with that kind of leadership. Get far the fuck away. It's an unhealthy environment where leadership is not in God's will, if that's what they're doing. And those are the kind of that's the kind of dialogue around the church led by these individuals. Fucking run. These environments are what led to cults. That leads to church hurt more often than anything. It leads to people to not believe in God, to see the evil of religion rather than the love of the God we worship. God desires community and love. Not umbrella or leadership chains. Submit to love, not the authority of humans. Submit to love, not human authority. Human authority, you know, your government, whatever, yeah, you should obey. Submit to love. Love will have you do that. But if you're submitting to man, you might find yourself hurt. You might find yourself in a cult. You might find yourself being the oppressor. Submit to love, not man. Rebel if you need to. Run if you need to. Get the fuck away from that stuff. Do not foster or enable leaders who are in a position out of their own desires, especially in a spiritual context. If you can report them to somebody, report them. Don't let it continue. So many people have been hurt. So many people are scarred for life. So many people refuse to even associate with any kind of religion at all because of these little shits who care about their own power more than they care about the love of God. Take the fuck away from it. Report it. Nip it in the bud, as Barney said in The Griffith Show. Like, we need to get rid of that shit completely, completely cut it out. There is no over-exaggeration to that. So many people are hurt. So many people are traumatized by those who just wanted the power, who just wanted a position, and weren't put there because of their love for others and God. Whatever you can do to prioritize those who love others and love God over those who are good speakers and can get butts in seats, you, you do it. You do what you have to to prioritize that and to keep those who care about the numbers and care about themselves out of leadership positions, especially in the church. Seek God. Pray often. Read your Bibles. Ask what you can do for your church and the people around you. In what ways are you directly serving other people's needs? If you can't think of anything, go ask your pastor how you can serve others. If your pastor is one of those many who are humble with good hearts, he might tell you how to serve others and might even tell you how he serves others and invite you to join him. But if he tells you how you can help him personally, again, run the fuck away. If your pastor is inviting you only to serve him, run. If your pastor is telling you how to serve others, submit to him. Help him serve to the best that you can. Our job as the church, our job as leaders in the church, love others, love God, and keep those out who are all about themselves and all about how many butts are in the seat. We'll have less hurt in the church if we do this. Less hurt to ourselves, less hurt to those around us. If we serve well, then others will feel loved. What greater goal is there than that? If we run when we need to, that might empower others to leave too, to get out of a toxic environment that will leave them consumed with fire, with church hurt or spiritual abuse. We don't run just to protect ourselves. We run to empower others to get out of a toxic environment. 
We don't serve because that's going to put us in a leadership position. We serve because that's the heart of God. Seek love. Seek God. Abandon self-serving leaders. Abandon those who are all about their own authority and seek servitude instead. Guys, I don't want you to share this on your public social media accounts or anything like that. It might offend somebody. You know, I said some strong, I used a lot of strong language. And I don't do that to offend people. I do that to speak the language of the people. So I don't want you to share this on any public profiles or anything. But instead, share it with one friend, one family member who you think might benefit from hearing this message. Who might engage with you a conversation with this. Who might tell you about the leaders in their church and have a, an honest discussion about whether or not they should run. Who might, if they're a leader in church, be honest with you if they think they're truly serving or if they've been doing this for themselves. And you might be able to walk them through how to change their mindset to be less about how many butts are in the seats and more about whose butts in that seat. Share this with someone who, who can have an open, honest, meaningful conversation about it and have those conversations. That's how we move the church. That's how we grow. That's how we be the church. Let's bring the church back to the common people. Thank you for listening. This was an Anadal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, go to the website in the description below. If you'd like to check out other shows like this, be sure to subscribe to the network.